number. Really appreciate it. Notice that Jesus' life as well as his death is in the place of his people. And in particular, that is where our thought goes this morning. Continue um, necessary evil. Continuing the series on Moses, really the Pentateuch, and uh, we're in the ceremonial law, and we're turning to Leviticus chapter 2 today. Keep in mind, the object lessons in the ceremonial law are very well alive today. These sacrifices, as well as the priesthood and the tabernacle, pointed ahead to the Lord Jesus. There were many pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. So great, comprehensive is the Savior that no one or two or three pictures could could tell it all. And there are dozens, scores of pictures of the Savior. Keep in mind that the five main offerings in Leviticus uh, were the burnt offering. The whole thing was offered up unto the Lord. None was eaten. Then you have in chapter 2 the the wheat offering or the, the bread. You could call it. It's called the meat. But back then, meat did not refer to flesh. It referred to uh, flour, food, really. It was a general word. The third offering is the peace offering, the result of what Christ has done, peace with God. Then you have the, the sin and the trespass offerings when individuals or leaders or priests or the nation sinned that they were to bring their sin offerings and trespass offerings to the Lord. The trespass in particular, you added... Uh, you added fines to it because the picture perhaps there is that we not only broke God's law, we offended Him and we, we, uh, we owe Him glory and honor. And so there was money paid. And perhaps the sixth offering would, would have been the drink offering, but that's not mentioned here. And we're not sure if that was a separate sixth offering. It was often offered with the others. That is, they just poured out wine as uh, a picture for G- of Jesus pouring out His life uh, for our sakes, but a picture of thanksgiving, just pouring it out to the Lord. Remember, David asked for a drink of water. He, oh, that I had a drink of water from the the uh, the well in Bethlehem, I think it was. And men risked their lives to get him a drink of this cool, refreshing water. And then when they brought it all that way to him. Uh, he said, how could I drink this at the cost of these men? And he poured it out as a drink offering to the Lord. And I'm sure those men understood that David was indicating he loved the Lord, but we sure risked our lives to get that water. But it was an, it was an evidence of David's gratitude to the Lord and to the men who, who risked their lives. And so we, we looked at the burnt offering last week and just some some very uh, sober thoughts of the Savior uh, as, the offer, as, as the offerer pressed their hands on the head of the offering, picturing the transfer of guilt and sin to Jesus, pictured by that offering. 
And then they slew the offering. Jesus was killed. He was murdered for us. In the case of the animals, they didn't suffer. So you have the flaying of the skin and the cutting of the pieces, laying everything bare before they're burned on the altar. But Jesus suffered that before He was killed. They flayed Him when they whipped Him. They, they traumatized Him. They tortured Him. He felt the pain, the agony. He was wounded for our transgressions. And He was offered up upon the heat, the fire of God's altar Really, Calvary, but that's where Christ suffered as a right, as a lightning rod for you and me, and suffered the heat and wrath of God. And so we, it speaks of His blood, per, per, perhaps fo- focusing in chapter one. Now it's bloodless, the, the, the uh, flower offering in chapter two. Now under, we understand it's, it, there's a lot of cerebral going, there's a lot of thought going in here, but all the offerings speak about Christ's death. But some of the offerings refer to His life as well because it wasn't that just Jesus had to die for us. If all He had to do was die for us, then perhaps He could have been uh, brought down in, in, as a man, not as a baby like Adam was, and just died right away. People wonder, why did Jesus not die right away? And, and then He wouldn't have to suffer temptation and scorn for 33 years. Well, He had to live for us before He could die for us. Just like those animals had to be without blemish and without spot before they could die. What a picture of Jesus that He had to have a life that was spotless, seamless, perfect, or else God would not have accepted that offering. In the days of Malachi, they said, well, these spotted animals, these blemished animals aren't worth much to us. And they offered them to God as if, you know, they gave Him second choice. They gave Him, you know, the... the, uh, the the dregs, but God said, no, the best. God gave His best. That's the only way we could have been saved, that Jesus, God's Son, was offered for you and me. So chapter 2 continues the thoughts on the offerings picturing the Lord Jesus. So bear with me and pray that God would help us to understand the picture of Christ and us in Christ. And so it's a difficult task to see both, not only Christ pictured, but believers who are in Christ pictured also. We read together from Romans, and a good text over this, if it apply, as it applies to believers, is now that we have been saved, as we read, oh, oh, the riches of God's mercies, now let us present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, which is really what chapter 2 on the heels of chapter 1 is indicating. So chapter 2 of Leviticus, And when any will offer a meat offering or a meal or a, a, a flower, a food offering to the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and he shall take there out his handful of the flour thereof and of the oil thereof with all the frankincense thereof. And the priests shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor or a sweet aroma unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meal or the 
The food offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. And if thou bring an oblation of a meat offering bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And if thy oblation be a meat offering bacon in a pan, it shall be a fine flour unleavened mingled with oil. Thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil thereon. It is a meat offering. And if thy oblation be a meat offering bacon in the frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And thou shalt bring the meat offering that is made of these things unto the Lord. And when it is presented unto the priest, he shall bring it unto the altar. The priest shall take from the meat offering a memorial thereof and shall burn it upon the altar. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. That which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his son's. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the, unto the Lord shall be made with leaven, for ye shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering of the Lord made by fire. As for the oblation of the first fruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt, Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. And if thou offer a meat offering of, the, of thy first fruits unto the Lord, thou shalt offer for the meat offering of, the first, of thy first fruits green ears of corn, you know, it's wheat, dried by the fire, even wheat beaten out of full ears. And thou shalt put oil upon it and Lay frankincense thereon, it is a meat offering, and the priest shall burn the memorial of it, part of the beaten corn thereof, and part of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. You can understand the title this morning, Food for, Food for Thought. And that's really what it is. That the God instituted this food offering for spiritual contemplation. And it's also, I hope, food for the soul because it's God's Word. It's food for thought. It's food for the soul. So if ever the expression food for thought should literally apply, it is certainly here in Leviticus chapter 2. And again, the word meat did not refer to flesh. It was a general word for food. In the New Testament, it's translated victuals, and uh, it can refer to flesh or to other types of food, things that are edible. That's the idea. Remember, Jesus said when they didn't believe that he was alive after he rose from the dead, they said, "Do you not have any? Do you have any meat?" And they gave him fish, and they gave him a, a honeycomb. So they gave him flesh, and they gave him uh, food but it referred to anything that was edible. And they gave him two kinds. So I wonder if that was because they were generous or because they wanted to test, see, is he, is he a spirit? Is he a real? So I'll give, we'll give him flesh and we'll give him, we'll give him honeycomb. 
But this is really dealing with a grain, with flour, with bread, with cereal. You could call it any of those, or wheat, here in this second uh, offering. But again, keep in mind that there are object lessons for us of our Lord Jesus Christ because He's constantly called an offering. Remember, He's called the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Dan read, I am the bread of life. This is a bread offering. This is an offering of fine flour or also at the end, they could offer the, the plant, the, 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 the uh, stalk or the green ears. They would be scorched. They wouldn't be burned on the altar. But there's so much here, it's hard to just put it in, in, together in a, in a very easy, simple way, but it, there's so much here that refers to Christ. And we are to look for Christ, are we not? And He is the one that is the theme of the Scriptures. And so really what this is doing, these object lessons are visual preaching, visual sermons of Jesus, visual prophecies of Christ about what He would be and what He would do. He is the sacrifice for sinners, but He's also the sacrifice for saints. If the first offering deals with our salvation, this offering is dealing with our sanctification because it's bloodless here, notice. And in a real way, you could see even at the Lord's Supper, you have the bread and the fruit of the vine. And so you have the blood in chapter 1 and you have the body of Christ in chapter 2. So there's, there's just so much here. It's hard to just bring it all together. But it is referring to the fact that Jesus presented a perfect body, a perfect sacrifice for our salvation. And not only for our salvation, but He didn't just die to save us from our sins. He died to keep us saved. He died so that we might have victory over sin. And He died that we might grow in grace after we've been converted. And so we plead His blood and His righteousness not only to be converted, but to go on with God and to be strengthened. We only have one go at it, don't we? One life to prove Jesus' power in His sacrificial life and death. And so we, we look for Christ here in God's Word. We look for Christ. What we have to see is that this flower was subject to heat. This flower was burned on the altar. This flower the, 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 and the plant was scorched. And you can't see the life or death of Christ without heat, without the, the wrath of man and without the wrath of God. Oh, the temptations that He suffered. He, he suffered so much heat, so much uh, affliction, temptation. Jesus had to be subject to such for us to be saved. I want you to notice that they were to bring fine flour to the priests. Not coarse flour. And, and I'm not a cook and I, I, don't, I don't really know the difference between flour. I'm sure we have at least one or more here that know the difference between coarse flour and fine flour. Someone said you reach into a, a bag of, of coarse flour or flour that isn't so fine and it just, it just falls apart. 
But you put your hand in a bag of fine flour, it just coagulates, it stays together. And it's just, as you looked at what they brought, it was subject to sieves and just, and, and grounded between the, the millstones to the point where it was as perfect as they thought they could ever get it. What a picture of the Savior. He is fine flour. No, no irregularities. No coarseness in the Savior. What, how different from me. How different from human beings. How irregular we are. How inconsistent. How coarse we can be at times. But there was no coarseness in Christ. Never a man spake like that man. He wasn't inconsistent. You could expect him to, to, to receive little children. You could expect him to speak the words of truth. Oh, there were times that he had righteous indignation, but there's no irregularity in that. What a Savior we have. And as they brought this fine flower to the priest, what a picture of Jesus. The Father presents Him to us. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Can anyone ever see any irregularity, any sin in the Savior? None at all. Thought, word, and deed. How often did Pilate say, I find no fault in this man. No fault. No fault. No, no coarseness. No irregularity. He's a perfect Savior. He's a perfect Savior. And each of these offerings had to have oil. In one particular offering, the oil had to be mingled, mixed into the flour. And the other was anointed, poured upon the flour. And again, we all understand if we read the Scriptures, oil is a picture of the Spirit of God. And the Bible says, as it speaks about the oil mixed in, mingled in this flour... He had the Spirit not by measure. He was full of the Holy Spirit from day one. From the day that He was was, uh, conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit was filling. And when He was born, filled with the Spirit. All through His life, the Spirit was in Him, filling Him strengthening Him, teaching Him, helping Him. And He had the Holy Spirit poured out upon Him, pictured at His baptism, the anointing of these cakes or wafers, picturing our Savior. Frankincense. Frankincense. Had to be burned for us to to be able to smell the sweetness and the fragrance. Different from myrrh, myrrh a little bit bitter. Frankincense, though, is citrusy. And, but in order to, to be able to smell the aroma and to have that sweetness, it had to be burned. And Jesus, in order for us to be sweetened with salvation and, it, and for God's justice to be, to be meted out and, to be, and His holiness to be vindicated, Jesus had to die in our place and what a sweet savor it was to God as we smell the, uh, the resins, the uh, incense that's burned. And so Jesus, as it says in Ephesians chapter 5, was a sweet-smelling incense to God. And Peter and other 
writers and in Hebrews tells us that when we present ourselves to God and we do good works in His name, that they're odors of sweet savors unto God. You can read that in, in uh, Hebrews, tw- uh, Hebrews 12 and in 1 Peter 2 and other passages. And so you can understand that it's not only picturing Christ primarily, but God's people who are Christians, little Christs, those who are in Christ that reflect Him. And we cry out, Lord, are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Lord, are we a sweet savor unto You when we pray and when we, when we sing and when we worship You? Oh, that the Lord would take away all coarseness. But you understand, in order for the coarseness to be removed, we've got to be put between the millstones. It's good for us that we've been afflicted that we might learn His statutes. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept Thy commandments. The psalmist sees the profit of affliction. And the Bible tells us of Jesus in Hebrews 5, by suffering as a son, He learned obedience to God's Word. How they misunderstood Him. Ostracized by His family. His brothers persecuted Him. His mother didn't understand Him. And his, 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 his neighbors in Nazareth demeaned him. Did he have a real friend in the world? He was lonely. But he, he, he journeyed through the, on that road, that Via Dolorosa, so that he would save us. That lonely life. The lonely trek to Calvary. Only flanked by criminals persecuted, forsaken, blasphemed, alone. Even his father forsook him. Why hast thou forsaken me? Everyone else has forsaken me. The chief disciple denied him three times. But he had to go. He had to go. But again, baked in the oven. Baked in a pan, in a frying pan, and scorched. You see again the heat. The heat. Jesus had to be burned. He had to be sacrificed. He had to die. He had to suffer for you and me to be saved. You see, sin brings death. Sin brings punishment. Jesus had to suffer for our sins and what our sins deserve. Sin is a crime against the God of the universe. We cannot, we should not lessen the horrors of sin. Sin is desiring God to come down from His throne and for me to sit on His throne. The sin of pride. All that we would see that our sin is disgusting. It is insulting to God. It is hurtful, if you will. But Jesus said, I'll take the heat for them, Father. See the kindness of the Lord? Remember in the first sacrifice, they could offer bulls, they could offer sheep, goats, and birds. And so you have the gradation. You have the rich that can offer the bull. And you have the middle class that can offer the, the, the lambs and the, and, the, and the goats. And you have the poor ones, like Jesus' parents, that could offer the birds. See, the Gospel is preached to the poor. But do you see the same thing here? The wealthy could bring just a huge handful of fine flour. Not very many people could 
could afford that. I was listening to a, a brother, Stephen Hamilton, said his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather were all, were all cooks. And they got their, their flour, I think he said from, not Saskatchewan, but another province in Canada, uh, New Brunswick. I for, but he said they, they always got their flour from there because it was the best kind of flour that came from Canada. But then you had the middle class that had ovens. But then you had the poorer that had a pan, which is probably a griddle, like a griddle pan. And then you had the, the poorest. Everyone had to have a frying pan. Everyone had to have a pan that could boil. that had a, more, a, a taller lip on it. But it, was, it represents the poorest of the poor. And the Lord Jesus could have the only one that could have ever chosen a face and chosen a family and chosen parents and chosen where to live. He chose peasants. He chose the poor to be His parents, His family. And the Lord Jesus went into the world preaching to the poor the Gospel. Healing the poor lepers and the blind and the maimed. Saving sinners who were despised by others, the street walkers and the and the and the uh, the thieves. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He can save the chiefest of sinners. He can save you and me. And he 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 comes to the down and outers as well as the up and outers. Yeah, he saves the rich. He saves the Abrahams and the Jobs. He saves. The Nebuchadnezzars, if you will. But He came into the world to save the woman who had seven demons in her. And a woman that had five husbands. And the one that she had then was, no, was not her husband. Jesus saved the, the woman who came and, and, and broke that glass. Or the, the, the woman that, that, that washed His feet. And, the, and the Simon, the, the guest, or the, the host said, if you only knew what a sinner this woman was. Oh, he knew for sure. But here was the woman bringing her offering in a frying pan. Or the, the widow with just two mites left. And Jesus looked upon that as precious. And you know what all of it was, whether it was from the rich or the middle class or the poor, the offerings when they were brought sincerely in faith and appropriately, always with oil, always with frankincense, the Bible says it was a sweet savor unto God. He loves to save souls. But what a picture of the Savior. The memorial was always burned to God. Token, this is God's. God is to be vindicated. The life and death of Christ was unto the Lord primarily. And then the priests could eat it. That's, that was their portion. That was how the priests survived. The Levites got a tenth of what was given in the land. But the priests were surviving off the offerings. You see how the effects of Jesus' life and death are enjoyed and consumed by God's people peace of God that passes all understanding, cleansing of conscience, the hope of eternal life, the promises of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy to us day by day. 
None of it was to be with leaven or honey. We understand leaven is often, not always, a picture of, of sin, of corruption. And perhaps honey, and some of these things we can't conclude perfectly, but honey perhaps was a luxury. Is it, is it that direction? Or is it when it's subject to heat, it's, it, it, uh, putrefaction. Perhaps that's the idea, but no leaven or no honey. Jesus had nothing that was, was corrupting in him. Everything that was preservative always was salt. Don't, don't leave out the salt. Salt, of course, we understand that is as an as agent of preservation. In the old days, didn't they? They filled barrels with salt and they put the meat inside the barrels. And I imagine the meat was pretty salty, but it better than putrefying the meat. They didn't have ice in those days. And so we see that Jesus' offering was once for all. Jesus' offering is preserved for us. It is, it is continual. It's eternal. It is unchangeable. Our salvation is reserved in heaven for us. He doesn't have to die over and over again. This isn't an altar. This isn't an altar. There's no burning, no animals and birds. Jesus died once for all. We're not saved by the blood of bulls and goats, but they were object lessons pointing us to the Lord Jesus. You know, some people wonder, you know, it must have been nice having all those object lessons in those days. But does it compare to one Savior? We know we're living in a day we can look back. They were looking ahead. But no doubt they were asking one another, what will He look like? What will happen to Him exactly? How will He save us? And, and, and the priests were, at, were asked questions. They were asking each other questions. What is this all about? Why the flaying? Why the cutting in pieces? Why the fine flour? Why the expense? Why the oil and frankincense? And we're looking back and, and some of them are just educated guesses and prayerful guesses. But we have the New Testament often to comment on these things. They're pointing to Jesus. Even the first fruits of verse 12 are offered unto the Lord. They're not burnt on the altar. And the effects of His atonement. Green ears of corn or wheat dried by fire while Jesus was scorched for us. As if Jesus is being presented like the psalmist said, Lord, truly I am Thy servant as Christ presents Himself to the Father in life and death. Here am I, Lord. I come to do Thy will. Thy law is within my heart. The Lord Jesus has presented Himself for you and me. What a Savior. We find no fault in Him. Jesus is pleasing to God and He's precious to believers. Jesus was wounded for our transgression. He was burned. He was baked. He was scorched. That you and I would be saved. We're saved by His life and we're saved by His death. And if Jesus consecrated Himself to save us, shouldn't we consecrate ourselves to honor Him? And isn't this, secondly, 
but not unimportantly, a picture of God's people presenting ourselves to the Lord. Now that you have seen God's mercy in Christ, Romans 11, 33 and following, I beseech you to present your bodies as living sacrifices. God's covenant mercy required the presenting of His Son as a sacrifice. Shouldn't then the effect of His love and His atonement be that we present ourselves afresh, regularly, as living sacrifices. And some believers are going to die. Give their, seal their, their testimony with their blood. But is this not a picture of you and me saying to the Father, please, we bring our fine flower as fine as we can, as we can know. We confess our sins, Lord. But Lord, cleanse us from secret faults. Take the coarseness and the irregularity that we can't feel, that we can't see. As the psalmist prayed, order my steps in Your Word and and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Please, Lord, we present ourselves to You. Purge us of our sins, but use us for Your glory. Fill us with Your Spirit. Pour frankincense upon us. Salt us, Lord. As Jesus said, we're salt. We're to preserve. We're preservatives in this world. As we try to live a holy life and point people to Jesus. Maybe the person thinks twice about blaspheming the Lord when he sees you. Or when he sees you, he thinks about salvation and sin and God. And it makes someone think that, that they're not creatures of time only, but of creatures of eternity. And you and I, every day, should present ourselves to the Lord. And that was the primary effect. Unto the Lord, to God, as a memorial. Lord, here am I. Lord, I present myself to You as a living sacrifice. Be pleased with my little offering. My poor offering. As Hebrews says, let us offer the sacrifices of praise to God continually, that is, giving thanks to His name. To do good and communicate not, forget not, for these sacrifices are well-pleasing to God. Hebrews 13, verses 15 to 16. And remember that there was also the effect upon the priests. They got to enjoy the rest of the offering. And again, isn't there an application here that can we not be of use to people as we seek to live for the Lord? Can we not be a benefit to others as iron sharpens iron, as, as light and salt in this world, encouraging each other on to the Lord? We're all going to the same, to the same heaven, aren't we? Do we not see all the living churches as representing one kingdom? Can we not keep that in mind? That we're pointing one another to the Lord we're going to be together forever and ever. And we want others to join us. We want to see our, our families complete. We want to see our friends. We want to see enemies. We want to see strangers come to the Lord. You find here Jesus, primarily. His body. The bloodless Savior. The bloodless offering of His, of his body that was then shed, 
then He shed His blood for us. He's the fine flour. He's the cakes, the wafers, the ears. Filled with the Spirit. Sweetened by His afflictions. Salted. He dies once for all. No leaven, no honey. Lord Jesus, live for us. These ceremonial laws are obsolete, but they're object lessons written for our learning. And we see Jesus, do we not? We behold the Lamb of God, but we also behold the bread of God. A body that was given to Him that He might be a substitute for you and me. That we might have hope of a resurrected body, not not to that which will be destroyed, not to that which will be sent to the fires, but a resurrected body that will be that will meet with our souls and will be with the Lord forever and ever. And the question comes, is Jesus your substitute? Are you trusting in His substitutionary life and death? Are you saying His robes for mine? You have to have a mediator before you meet God. And the only mediator between God and men is the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you leaning upon His life and His death for your salvation? And believer, are you leaning upon His life and death for your sanctification? He died not only to save you from your sins, but to save you unto God forever. He's accepted by the Father. If you trust in Him, you'll be accepted in Him. Let us always plead and preach Christ, the Lamb and the Bread of God. Amen. Lord, please bless. Bless Thy Word. You promised it will have effect. It will not return in vain. Lord Jesus, we see Thee as the, the holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, Savior. We love You, Lord. We thank You. We thank You for such condescension to take human flesh and human soul to live and to die for us. Thank You for exchanging our robe of filth for Your robe of righteousness. Please keep working in our hearts. Let us never lose vision of Thee. Send us into a world that desperately needs a sight of You, Lord. Please, Open hearts, open our lips to praise You and to preach You, to point others to You. We pray this in Your name. Amen. With these thoughts in our minds, let's conclude by singing number 137 in our Blue hymnals, when I survey the wondrous cross.
137. 